You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. All right, there it goes. It said starting for, uh, I don't know, 10 seconds. I'm just sitting here waiting, waiting awkwardly to start episode nine of the Fake Teams Double Switch podcast. I'm sitting here joined by Joe. I have never said your name out loud. Gentile? Gentile. Gentile, it's supposed to be Italian, but we Americanized it. Ah, okay. So I was right, though. Yeah. I ha- I knew one other person with your last name, so I had some insider info into how to say it. They did not Americanize it for some reason. I don't know. I don't know why we did, but so so I I've been on here basically since the inception, so people know me and they know how boring I am and they know where I'm from. But the tradition is to ask you where you are from and what is your fandom. That way, if I ever speak badly of your team i can try to do it in a nice way and not and not in a bad way so tell the people where you're from joe uh born and lived franklin tennessee my whole life uh i'm a fan of the brewers so that was a good year for us and uh i got i started doing this actually because of uh michael fulmer's family someone in his family told me to check this out and then that's how i got started in it told you to check out just fantasy sports in general no, no, no. Fancy uh, writing or just writing in general, writing about baseball. Because we were okay. talking about doing this as a career. So like my freshman year of college. Fulmer, is he a Tennessee boy? Uh, no, he uh, Oklahoma, but he married into their family. So Okay. All right. And then Franklin, I'm not you're not far away from me then. What what part of uh, what part of Tennessee is Franklin? Uh, right by Nashville. Um, OK. Connected to it. Yeah. You just you gotta slide on over to Asheville, man. Oh yeah, that's not that's not far. I mean, I'm in the western part of North Carolina, so it's I don't know Nashville. I'm bad. It's probably fourish hours ish, maybe four or five. I don't know. You just yeah. go left for my, a little. My dad lives up in Charlotte, so nice. We uh we take the kids to Carowinds frequently. We got the the season pass. Rock on, Charlotte. All right, so. I didn't know you and Haji were both Brewers fans. So the the beginning of this podcast started out with Braves and Brewers fan, and it's still a Braves fan and a Brewers fan. So, and at the very first episode, I remember telling Haji this was like way back in preseason that I was hoping that the Braves would have the kind of year that the Brewers did two years ago, and my wish came true. We kind of we had our upstart kind of contending year and uh, hope that we build off of that going into next year. Yeah, we both had a better year than we expected. So I'll take that as a win. I was I was hoping I was hoping that we could with the young guys. Acuna was everything we thought he would be. Albies was more powerful than we thought he would be. Um, But, uh, you know, we're just we're a year behind you, which is not a bad place to be. 
So, all right, cool. Well, I like the Brewers, so I'm not going to be trashing the Brewers. I was trashing their starting pitching heading into last season, and turns out you didn't really need that much. Apparently not. Uh, we're actually going to have good starting pitching this year, though, with Burns and some of the other young guys, Woodruff. And then, because it's been so long, who was the, the ace type, the guy that never got healthy? Tell me his name. I forgot. Never got healthy for the Brewers? Oh, Jimmy Nelson. <laughs> yeah, Nelson. I can't believe I forgot Nelson's name. It's been a long time. Yeah, he's going to have a low cost in ADP this year, too. Yeah, I think he will be completely buried in draft applets. Um, man, it would be a nice segue to all the cheap starting pitchers we're talking about. But we can't do that. We have to talk about MVPs. Um, so a brewer, Kristen Yelich, and uh, Mookie Betts. Do we, do we have any arguments with our AL and NL MVPs? What do you think? No, I think the only argument I think you can make is maybe uh, DeGrom. But besides that, I think it's pretty good. I feel so bad for that guy. <laughs> he almost had a losing record with a 1.6 ERA. That's just ridiculous. I have one fan or one friend that is a Mets fan, and we used to talk baseball all the time back when the Braves were terrible and the Mets were not terrible or not as terrible. And now we, we haven't talked in like two years. So I don't, I worry, I worry about him. I don't know how he's doing, but uh, yeah, I don't know. I feel bad. Yeah. I don't, I don't have complaints. The, the yellow run at the end of the year was amazing and it freaked me out because it was nearly costing me um, a league, at least one league where I had a, I felt like I had a gigantic league in uh in the great fantasy baseball invitational and the guy that had yellow that team just went insane so it's okay i got i uh i got in the championship in one league and the guy i was facing had bets and yellow that was I, I i was streaming pitchers i didn't do well streaming but i was like honestly it didn't matter i wasn't going to win no matter what because you had the two hottest guys on the planet at the time so you playing are you playing head to head in that league that was head to head. Yeah, that was our. We switched it from rotisserie to head to head just because it's a home league and count good that competitive field. Yeah, all my home, all my home stuff is all head to head. I have that. I don't know. It's odd. I, baseball, you would think maybe not as much, but I love head to head. I don't. I know it's probably not optimal, but it's just what we've done for so long, and it it is what it is. It definitely affects the way that I draft. It's something that I've talked about before on here. I'm almost. I'm almost always looking for floor almost always just in a head to head format anybody that's going to like destroy me in batting average or in any one category is almost not even on my draft board <laughs> so if i ever move to a different format where that's not the case a lot of times i'm i'm hurting so i'm just so used to finding guys that don't kill me week in and week out so it is what it is nice another head to head person so all right well uh we said after we mentioned MVPs, we were going to touch on the trade, even though it's been – has it been about a week now? Yeah, maybe a little over. So the movers for fantasy baseball, uh, Malik Smith going to Seattle. I think they they desperately need a center fielder type. Um, my take is D. Gordon's going to second, and Robbie Cano is going to DH, and Nelson Cruz is out the door. Um, on the Seattle side, do you have strong feelings on Malik Smith? Is it a is it a good move from Tampa? I mean, it's or, good, good for him and good for Austin Meadows because they're both going to get more playing time. But I don't know. I'm, a lot of people are high on Malik Smith. I'm not. I'm the low stolen base guy. I don't know if you've been able to tell, but 
Um, if you if you look at the um, I call it the twelve team player rater. Instead of taking the standard deviations and averages of all the players, if you just uh, just uh, try and figure out which players are going to be starting um, in the starting rotations in each league, and take those standard deviations and averages, then stolen bases aren't that important as we at least think they are. So <laughs> you're talking you're talking to a speed guy for sure. So and it, it is I'm biased because I was fast and it you know maybe slightly still am to be 35. Um, so I love speed. I love guys that, and it is some of that balance that I just talked about in head to head, where if I had a choice between a guy who could go 20 and 10 versus like a 33 homer guy that's going to bat 240, I'm taking the 20 and 10 guy forever, forever and ever and ever. Um, so when it's a guy like Malik's, I mean, it, I'm in. It sounds like I'm a lot more in than you are. So what it, does this never, does this never hurt you in any format, not having speed? You just totally ignore it, or what? What's the strategy? Uh, no, I uh, I don't not draft speed, but with speed being down, it seems like more people want to get like the sixty stolen base guy. I just draft the Manny Machados, the Alex Bregmans. If you just get guys now in today's game with maybe five, ten, fifteen steals, you don't have to get the big stolen base guy. I just get. I usually I lead in the four hitting categories, and then I'm just in the middle of stolen bases. It just works out. Makes sense. Um, so I did. Basically, what you just described in uh, in League Ten in the Great Fantasy Baseball Invitational, um, which I, I I clung to victory. Um, Rudy Gamble scared the mess out of me on the last weekend. Um, I had this gigantic lead, and then it just evaporated. I like I coasted for a month, and then all of a sudden, the last two days, I'm like chewing my fingernails off. Um, Was that the LH team? What's that? Was that the LH team? No, nah, I mean he was. Acuna and uh, Albies, but the guy that had Yelich was knocking me down in some hitting categories, and Gamble was catching me in some other ones, and it was just like, like a, I'm getting like destroyed from both sides here. So, I I held on, but it in that one, I I definitely went for guys that you know Chris Taylor, uh, who actually really underwhelmed this year, um, uh, Justin Upton, like guys that could pitch in with like eight to ten. And then I took a chance with Malik Smith. So I'm a little bit biased right now because he he saved my bacon when it came to speed. Because without him, I would have been – I probably would not have won that league. I could go back and do the math. So I'm a little bit biased on Malik's right now. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's he's good. I just uh, – he's not going to get you many RBIs, runs. And I – what did he finish with last year? Check. His batting average, I think, was relatively high. Um he finished with. I'm pretty sure he was a Babbitt king last year. Yeah. I'd have to check. He finished with 296 by a 366 Babbitt, and mm-hmm. his his contact rate of 76 percent is not that good either. So you could see a strikeout rate above 20 percent next year too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he definitely a one trick pony for sure. Yeah, and and yeah. we know the some of the inflated Babbitt is due to the due to the speed, but but it could come down, which means he's not a. He's not a 300 hitter. He's a, you know, 260 or, or worse. I don't know. Um, I don't know. I'm not, I'm not going to chase him, especially not for a guy like that. That's a one trick. Cause he's also, he's not balanced, which is what I go for. Um, but I do, I do, I have some affection for the guy. Whenever you, if somebody does well for you, you, you can't help but have this emotional attachment. So right now I'm totally into Malik's. We'll, we'll see what shakes down. If he even stays in Seattle, I've seen that 
been I've seen that floated around, but I, I do think he's a good fit. I think that gives them some flexibility. They can move move old man Cano to the DH role and let D go back to second. So I heard something about him trading D Gordon. That's apparently a possibility, which I don't know what they're trying to do exactly. It just seems like they like speed guys in their center field as they had Gerard Dyson and D Gordon and Malik Smith. But they've got what three they have Gene Segura now too. So they got three speed guys with not much pop. That's I don't know what they're gonna do with that team if they don't trade D Gordon. It's interesting. Yeah, I wonder if it's gonna be a fire sale, but uh I'm honestly not as up on every roster like I should be. Um but the other the other half of this is uh they sent Heredia, Guillermo, and uh Mike Zanino, the catcher, to Tampa. Uh, a lot of people thought Tampa was going to go big at catcher, but they seems like they settled a little bit for Zanino. I think this is a move we both felt we were we were a little lukewarm on this. Is that your take on on Tampa's side? Yeah, isn't I mean basically he's Chris Davis Jr. I guess thirty seven percent strikeout rate, probably going to hit around two hundred and maybe thirty bombs if he gets the playing time. But I don't really. I'm not too excited about it for fantasy, at least. He's a good defender, but fantasy. Yeah. Uh, I think – I wonder if Cruz is going to go that way as well, and then we're going to have this really clear idea of what Tampa's trying to do, which is play defense and crush home runs. So, I mean, in that, in that big part, it makes a lot of sense to get guys that have a lot of pop that it doesn't really matter. If, you, if you're a big, powerful guy, you can hit it out anywhere. So it, I can see – I think we'll we can tell like based on what maybe the next move is what what Tampa's trying to do. Um, I know Heredia at least from what I read initially, like he he's considered to be a plus defender based on where you look. In some places it's average, in some places he's above average. Um, and then adding Zanino, whose defensive skills are are very good. So I wonder if I wonder if they're gonna pitch and play D and just try to hit bombs. I mean, it, no, no small ball. And honestly, nothing surprises me with the Rays anymore. They're going to be doing their own thing. The the Rays with the 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 opener was phenomenal this year. I, I thought it was awesome to see something new like that. Yeah, I mean, smart. Hard to argue with the results, at least. Uh, I think, like a lot of people, I think they should be ridiculously aggressive this year. So I hope I hope that they are with the moves that they make, and I do hope you mentioned them. I hope we get to see Austin Meadows um, because uh, in League Ten I did have a big lead for quite a while. Meadows was one of the guys I was holding on to, hoping that they would give him the call, and they never did. Um, so hopefully next year we get to see that guy. He's the he's the prototype for the guy that I like. Just a, some pop, some wheels, just just solid all around player. So I'm excited to see Meadows next year. Yeah. This is this is the nice trade that like it just kind of it frees up playing time for a lot of people. So Malik stays. Obviously, he's gonna have playing time. It frees up some spot for uh, some space for Meadows. So I like it just for fantasy baseball in general. And I don't think anybody's value takes a massive hit, especially if the Mariners continue to to be odd and maybe go through a teardown. Zanino's probably gonna he's gonna be like a back end catcher. You know, you know. I don't know, low 10th, 11th, 12th, maybe maybe high, 13th, 14th, 15th. I don't know. One of your – in a two-catcher league, he's definitely viable. In a one-catcher format, he's definitely viable. He's not somebody I would target. 
based on the strikeout rate. But he's in the conversation. I just realized this hurts one of my favorite sleepers, Michael Perez. I was so into Perez before Zunino. Because he had like a 28% line drive rate at AAA or something. But we, so, he's, so he's buried now. Yeah. I, I think, well, I don't even know. He had a 29% line drive rate at AAA in 240 at-bats or plate appearances. But, oh, well. Yep, we'll have to wait and see. I remember uh, Haji and I, a long time ago, we picked our, our breakout sleepers for, for this year for 18, and, and my guy almost never manifested. He got he got buried by Jan Gomes, of all people, in Cleveland. We had to wait until <laughs> Francisco Mejia got traded in order to see a little bit of time. Like it, That just seemed like one of the most guaranteed things going into last year, and it just never manifested. Like You've got to be kidding me. But – I mean, Gomes did well. I mean, it, he's that guy is just he's built for that part. He's got a massive pull rate and it a lefty in that part. He just he's got some power and it okay, fine. I don't know why you guys have Prince. I'm glad I'm glad you let him go if you're gonna bury him. So anyway, we'll see. I don't know why I brought that up. I'm still <laughs> bitter. I'm still bitter. Yeah, he was on your team, wasn't he? You had him, Calhoun, and Meadows. <laughs> I had yeah, I had a ton of uh I just I had a lot of like sleepers. I don't know. I just I was holding on to a lot of guys. If we're, I'm thinking about League Ten again, uh, but it like the sh- the bench was pretty short in that league, and it was a weekly league. So as long as my guys were healthy, I'll just let it ride and just hope that you know Jimenez gets the call or Meadows gets the call, and it just it never materialized. So it I'm definitely definitely in a league like that. I remember we had a great fantasy baseball centric podcast with me and brian and eddie maybe uh it was while we were still drafting because i remember we were talking about our teams and uh eddie brought up the point that in a league like that a lot of times people overlook floor and and i think i did that for sure with uh when it came to the bench players that i had on my team um just basically having somebody that you can plug in in a spot because we it was a big league. It was 15 teams, and the waiver the waiver wire was mostly dry. So if you had a guy that you knew was going to get at bats, that was super valuable. And it, you know, that was a point that I I, I remembered because it, I knew I should have paid more attention to it in draft. I, I felt that in season that I definitely need more people that are that are going to actually produce something. So floor floor is definitely underrated just in general in the fantasy game. I think everybody wants the new shiny toy. Um, oh. The new, the new, the new big name. Well, I just sent in my little registration for the TGF5B, so hopefully I'll be doing that this year, and that'll be that'll actually be my first expert league. So that'll be interesting to see how that goes. Yeah, I think there were so many people that missed out on that that I would think that that's going to be a big, massive event next year. Like I, th- I think he could easily double the size of that if he wanted to. I just. I don't know if Justin Mason has that kind of free time. I know he's a new dad. He's a, recently a dad again. He already had a kid, but I think he just had his second. And uh, I saw some tweet the other day where he's going to grad school and like basically like, do I do this in two semesters and not sleep or do I do it in three semesters and get a little bit of sleep? And I'm like, dude, do three, please get, please get some sleep. But it, so I don't, I don't know. I don't know how big he's going to want to make it, but I think it could be, as big as what he wants it to be next year because a lot of people missed out on it. So, yeah, I'd, I'd love for fake teams to send to send a handful. It'd be awesome. It was a fun it was a fun thing for sure. And obviously the competition was super, super stout. So 
we'll see. All right, I think we should uh, move on to something, uh, some rumors. Uh, as uh, some of you know, I work in a middle school, and in middle school, sometimes there's a lot of drama, uh, a lot of rumors, and that we're going to do the, the podcast version of rumors. Uh, so the rumor is that the New York Yankees are heavily researching Manny Machado, and I guess I'm throwing it out there to you. What do you think about Machado and the Yanks? No, don't do it. No. My, Luke Foyt needs to get playing time. I'm convinced. I'm all in on Luke Foyt. All right. So how how's this? How does this hurt Voigt? Tell me. Well, I mean, the talk is what is Didi? Didi's going to miss the start of the season a little bit, right? So they'll have. Uh, so he'll start at shortstop to start the season, but then when Didi comes back, they move Machado to third, and then the talk is moving Andahar to first since his defense is just so terrible. And then that leaves Boyd okay. without a spot. Uh huh. Well, the Yankees aren't really used to having a first baseman, in my opinion. I yeah. feel like we've we've uh, waited on waited on their first baseman for two years now. Yeah, I'll get. I won't get into Boyd yet, but we're uh, we're going to talk about him later. But dude was just. If you look at his peripherals. Uh yeah okay so as long as he doesn't take away time from Boyd. Obviously, we can't hate Machado in New York. <laughs> uh, well, this, just, that's that sounds like a sore spot, and we, we want to save the the talk about Voight. So let's let's do this other thing. Bryce Harper thinks that the the projected number or the number that he's asking for is thirty five million per year ish for twelve or thirteen years. He's he's basically chasing four hundred million dollars. And my question to you is, if you were a, a, a baseball GM, would you ever pay anybody four hundred million dollars? No, no way. And uh, if you're paying Harper that, I mean, he's had like some really good years, but I think you're still almost like he's not a safe bet. He had a nearly a seventy percent contact rate. He he's not as paid like for his walk rate. He's not as patient as you think. He um, he's got the raw power and stuff, but I think you're still paying potential there. Like with a floor that just could eat you up. I mean, he's great, but that ooh, he's got a lot of swing and miss there. So he he's another guy that got babbipped at least. Uh, I want to say two thirds of two thirds of the way through the year, maybe he was maybe top two or three as far as like worst luck on balls in play. So I'm not sure how he finished, but I know he had a rough start. Um, I don't. I guess it's that thing where you know it's somebody else's money. You know, if 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 you have it and you want to spend it, go right ahead. Um, and it, and I don't know, maybe it's it's asinine for me to say I would never do that if I was a GM, but I just I just can't see myself ever doing it. I don't. I just give me if I'm a GM, like let me load up on uh, Patrick Corbin and Yasmani Grandal, and like just get a bunch of solid players and build a really solid roster top to bottom. I just, I can't see paying that much for one person. So I'm, I'm curious where he's going to wind up. And it, I know the, the recent rumor is uh, the Phillies. Have you heard that? Yeah, that's what I've heard. And I mean, if you pay that contract, just think about it. You get, you pay it, maybe you get six good years, but if you're paying 12 years, that means you might get an Albert Pulo situation. We're just eating the dog days, the end of his career too. Cause he's, 12 to 13, that means the contract's going to go till he's up 40. 
39. Oh, I, I think you're guaranteed to be eating some bad years at the end. I think that's, I think they would offer that whoever it is would know that they're, they're guaranteed that, you know, the last couple of years, this contract's not going to be worthwhile, but it's just, do you think it's going to be worthwhile for, for the bulk of it? And I think at, there's going to at least be one team that, that feels that way. I don't know. Fortunately or unfortunately, we, we shall see. For fantasy baseball, I think Bryce is still going to be a late round one pick, in my opinion. What do you think? Yeah, I think I have him at 10. No, I have him at 12 behind Altuve. And I that's not because – that's just because of the floor I mentioned with the swing and miss. I mean, this could be a guy that could hit 330 or he could hit 250. Either one wouldn't surprise me, honestly. It's just a question of – his game where he ends up and stuff. And I mean, he has a left-hander too. So you got to figure his bat bit is going to be a little lower than a right-hander too due to the shift. So maybe like, I don't know, five, 10 point difference in bat bit too. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I think Philly, I, I guess I would get excited about that a little bit as a fantasy player, as a, as a real life baseball fan. I don't think I, I'd much rather see him leave the NL East personally and go to the AL especially on a big contract like that, I'd love to, if I were the team offering, know that, you know, at some point I can just slide him into the DH spot and not have to worry about him in the field. But uh, we'll see. I know I did see at least one person that suggested that because Bryce is a kind of a fan of the game, that he's going to want to go to a place that has some history attached to it, um, a little more mystique or uh, just just background to to be a new part of. So, I thought if that's the case and if that was viable, that, that maybe the Cardinals would be a good landing spot. Um, and it kind of fits their mold. Like, And you brought up the contract to Pujols, but they they did that with Pujols. They had one superstar that they paid really well, and then they just put a lot of decent pieces around the superstar. And, you know, it, it playing, playing at Bush in that town that hasn't had a superstar since Pujols would be – would be awesome as far as fit, in my opinion. But uh, we'll, we'll see. Yeah, the Cardinals, God. Another note, the Cardinals are amazing at just taking 28-year-old minor leaguers and making them all-stars. I don't know what's up with them down there. But that's a whole another story. Yeah, they're a sore spot. They've, they've been good for a lot longer than, than the Braves have been. I got another buddy that's a Cardinals fan. We, we went through college together. Like, yes, I get it. Your team's way better. Thank you. You know, congratulations. It's fine. It's fine. I don't have anything against St. Louis. I had a lot of St. Louis guys across my across my leagues this year, so I can't be mad. And it, and I'm definitely that way. If uh, I'm not, I don't get into this like crazy rabid fandom, like hating any team over another team. I just if I'm I'm rooting for the guys that are on my fantasy teams for sure. I'm def I'm definitely that guy that's watching the NFL on the weekend. It's like rooting for one right one wide receiver here one running back here like it you know like it i have some fandom i mean i pull i root for the panthers but uh you know i just it's all about fantasy for sure i love it yeah i focus on fantasy i give up i all the teams i cheer for i'm a predators fan titans fan and brewers fan and neither none of them have a championship so i just give up on winning <laughs> so we we're gonna win in the in the fantasy world for sure uh, all right, cool. Well, we hit some uh, newsy type things. I think we can safely move over into a sleepers part of this podcast. And I'm going to give you some credit, okay? Because 
last year you were talking about some guys before the season started that I was not paying attention to in the slightest. And I don't think I heard many people talking about. So names like Mitch Hanniger and Jed Lowry come to mind as guys that you were hawking really strongly. So just to give you some doubt, um, Joe, if you're listening, world did a good job last year pulling out some sleepers. So um, and Joe sent me some names before the pod. So these are some guys that he likes initially. And uh, I'm basically going to ask what he likes about them. And it, so do you want to say anything at all about Lowry or Hanniger or, or like just the process in general last year when it came to picking a couple of guys that I knew you like, you really hung your hat on Lowry for sure. Um, yeah, I think I wrote three articles on him. <laughs> yeah. So anything at all about like, cause we can kind of recap last year. Nobody else is talking about baseball. We can, we can do whatever we want. So what, uh, what was so intriguing about Lowry? I mean, Lowry, he's just, he just seems safe. Um, last year was my first year, like getting really into the analytics. And I, in the off season, I ran some numbers like percent chance of hard contact ball on a line drive being a hit and stuff and percent chance of a hard contact fly ball being a hit all that stuff and i mean he just seems safe because every year he's had about a elite line drive rate um elite fly ball rate great infield fly ball rate his soft contact and hard contact rates have been great um he has a contact rate over 80 percent out of every year in the major leagues and his plate discipline is i mean fantastic his o swing last season was 25 percent, and that's worse than he had the in 2017 so yeah and, and league average just in general so people know is mostly when i look it's about 30 31 percent chase rate is average so 25 percent is definitely well below yeah i mean he just i mean he just seems safe um i'll probably forget i think i have him ranked probably just inside the top 200, somewhere around there this year. Um, bat bib's going to be a little lower, probably just probably 290 range due to the fly ball rate, even though he has that great line drive rate. But um, I have him at 206, actually, uh, 22 home runs and a 277 average. So still still pretty pretty high on Lowry. Yeah, and then uh, Hanniger, I don't, he's a guy I didn't roster last year. I mean, I definitely paid attention to doing DFS and, and whatnot, but as far as seasonal leagues, I didn't really have him. Is uh, Was he similar as far as batted ball profile? Is that what attracted you? I know he was hitting the ball really hard. Uh, I like to call him uh, Josh Donaldson Jr. because both were uh, – they're like kind of prospects, but not really. Like they came up when they were like 26 years old. They hit – they have the same exit velocity – um, it was mostly his raw power because his line drive rates and stuff weren't that great. It was just he just had just great raw power um, and good play discipline. So he literally, if you look at his peripherals, take his peripherals and Josh Donaldson's, and they basically look like the same exact player. So I, I felt like I, I can't even remember where he's getting drafted. Was he even a top 20-round pick? I can't even remember. Um, uh, I think Hanniger was buried. I don't, I don't think he was being aggressively taken anywhere. He was – I feel like there was a log jam in Seattle, so people weren't really sure where all the playing time was going to go. Um, but that's not really – he just wasn't really somebody on my radar. He is now, uh, but going into last year, he wasn't. And then I didn't own him on any teams, and I'm a, I'm a little guilty of 
I'm really like zeroing in on my rosters during the season and it, just trying to figure out where my holes are that it, he just, he wasn't a guy that I owned, So he was a little bit hard to track. So I couldn't tell you safely, but we'll have to, we'll dig around in the, in the off season and find out no matter what, where he's on the radar for 2019 for sure. No, oh, definitely. He's going inside the top 100 now in drafts. Yep. All right. Well, that's uh, giving you some love on at least two guys that I know you were super high on last year. So we, uh, we broke it down a little bit. We had a few pitchers that you that you threw out at me. Uh, one of them is in the news right now because we don't know where he's going to go. And his name is uh, Nate Eovaldi. And bringing the heat, triple digits. Um, tell me tell me what you like about Eovaldi. I mean, that guy just looked absolutely nasty in the playoffs. Um, Rob Freeman, if no one follows him, which I'm sure they do, um, he was just putting up gifts of him all playoffs and – he would just throw that fastball high in the zone and then just throw a nice breaking ball low and outside, and he was just getting guys just looking silly. Um, I actually just wrote a post tonight on fake teams that I compared. I tried to predict last year's breakouts, and for Miles Michaelis, I said the person that would be likely to have a season like him would probably be Ivaldi because, I mean, they both – like their swing rates, zone rates, chase rates are all the same. They'll probably both have a, a walk rates around 5%. Um, and they both have an arsenal that like, they don't get a lot of swing and miss, but their pitches, when you watch them pitch, they look like they get more swing and misses than they do. Um, also guys like that, that throw in the zone a lot. There is, even without a like elite contact percentage, they're throwing in the zone so much that so there's a chance that, you know, you can see a 20%. I think Uvalde had like a 22% last year. So, um, yeah, he was 22.2 right at it. Uh, career best for him. Yeah. So, I mean, he just looks, he looks like a safe pick. Uh, I have him, uh, I believe 150, and he's around, there's like 150. I just put a bunch of pictures I like kind of right next to each other. He's around with Shane Bieber, Pavetta. And uh, Josh James, and it's just like the group of four sleeper pitchers I'm really into. So I think Iervaldi's probably set up to have just monster coming season. Yeah, I was uh, looking him out, looking him up a little bit while you were chatting. His ground ball rate is pretty healthy. That's a that was a little bit of a surprise to me. I thought he was more of a fly ball pitcher. Uh, ground ball rate at 45.6 percent last year. Um, definitely a little higher than what I thought it was. Um, he, the, so the high heat is interesting in the MLB because for so long, all we've heard and all pitchers were taught were to, to throw down in the zone. And it, I think you're, you're seeing over and over that when you find somebody that can elevate and do it the right way and be successful, that, that it is, it is highly successful, but it, you know, you, you run the risk of turning into, uh, not Gosman, who was the other guy for Baltimore that just had that, that straight fastball that just would get plastered when he would try to go high. Is it Bundy um, or Tillman? Bundy or who? Tillman? Tillman. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Straight fastball. Um, man, he, Tillman, fell off the, the map, man. Um, but it, I don't know. It's interesting, like the the trends and the counter trends. I mean, the, the definite trend right now is is to elevate in the zone at the right time. Uh, and obviously, if you're if you're throwing triple digits, or you can reach back and and get up close like Eovaldi can, you're gonna have a leg up. So, 
Yeah, and it, the cool thing about him is he's buried. Like it, I know ADP ADP wise, he's like he's well into the two hundreds, right? Uh, have it right Ish. here. He is going in Justin Mason's. He went two fifty six. So I have him. I have him at one fifty five. So I have him over a hundred spot difference in ADP. So I'm going to be really high on him and probably taking him in every league, I guess. Um, yeah, I think that one will definitely climb. He'll be he'll be a guy that. When he gets signed and there's all this news around it, he's definitely going to be creeping up in your in your draft applets for sure. But for now, he's buried. But I don't know anybody that's drafting right now. Are you drafting right now? No, I haven't. I haven't done any drafts yet. Bunch of preparation. Okay. All right. Well, Eovaldi right now, super cheap. Uh, yeah, we like it. I don't. I don't know where he's going to go. You think you? You think you know where he's going to go? Uh, Boston is going to go back to Boston. I don't know. Sounds like they're going to lose Kimbrel. I'd love it if they lose Kimbrel to my Braves. That'd be that'd be awesome. Little little homecoming, make a make a little World Series run. I just do. Please do not go to the Phillies. Oh, Craig Kimbrel. If you're listening, please do not go to the Phillies. I don't think he would do that. I don't Who'd know. Phillies have all that money this year. They have like an amazing cap space, I believe. Yeah, they're going to blow it on Bryce. <laughs> I, I don't. Boston fans want to get rid of him. Apparently, he was giving them heart attacks in the playoffs with all the walking and stuff. I just saw Boston. Boston fans freaking out every time he came into pitch. Boston fans don't know how good they have it. I, <laughs> you know, whatever. We'll see. I don't I don't know. I think it's a little battle right now with Boston and the Yanks for Eovaldi. But I really – I think they're going to go for uh, Corbin. I'd love to see Corbin go to New York. Um, so, we'll see. I don't know. All right. So the other guy, the next guy, Josh James, is a dude that, much like Hanniger, I did not roster last year. So I do not know much about him at all. So I'm totally dependent on whatever you have to say about Josh James. What I mean, you got? This is a guy that I believe he was like, I want to say he was on no one's radar, really, like fantasy community or anything um, before last season. And then he just broke out. Um, I'm trying to pull it up right now. Uh, but I believe the news on McCullers is if he's not missing the full season, he's at least missing most of the season. Um, you can correct me if I'm wrong there, but I believe that's the news. Oh, yeah, McCullers is out. Yeah, he's, so he's that should give Josh James a clear path to a starting rotation spot. Um, and this is a guy, I mean, last year in the minor leagues, his K rate at double A was. 41% and then you have 35% at AAA. That is just absurd. And then he came in the majors and it dropped to, you know, 32%. So 32% strikeout rate in the majors. He has a contact rate below 70%. I mean, this guy just looks like he could be a, just a complete steal um, with an ADP of 260 right now. Uh, the downside is he could, I believe, he could be a higher bat bip guy. Um, he does get a lot of fly balls too, so uh, could have a little bit higher of a home run rate. But even with a high bat bip um, and home run rate, he could be still going to keep guys to a low batting average against just because he's going to strike them out at least 30% of the time. Um, so I'm completely in on Josh James this season. Yeah, so 23 big league innings last year. I'm just looking. Had a 90.9% K rate, 
left on base percentage. So that will come down. Uh, the Babbitt numbers and the minors look pretty high. But yeah. he, was really, he was really fortunate in the majors last year too, 240 Babbitt last year. So really fortunate with batted balls in play and fortunate with left on base numbers last year. So some of that's gonna gonna regress a little, you would think. Let me see here. I'm just, I'm just playing devil's advocate. Uh oh, where is he? Sorry, give me one second. I'm gonna pull something up. Cause I believe he gave up a bunch of hard contact. Maybe I'm wrong there, but Nah, his his hard last year was twenty six point four. So definitely oh. above average. No, yeah. I'm looking at baseball savant. It's just twenty eight point three. So Oh, and I'm on Fangraphs, so there's a little, little bit of a difference there. Yeah, okay. Well, I thought that was higher. Okay, I'm wrong there. So, yeah, Josh James, though, I am the – only, the only issue I had was him getting a starting rotation spot, and even then I thought it was going to be long relief. And as we saw with Hayter, long relief can still be a big plus. So, either way, I was probably going to plan on taking him this year. I think I have him at a – I think I have him at, like, a strikeout rate around 30%, and it's – ERA is like 3.6 or something. So his whip's going to be a little bit higher. He does walk a couple of guys, but, you know, I can eat that for what you're getting in return. Yep. And then do we know ADP on him? 260. Uh, it so was. He basically might not even have one. Yeah, 260.6. And I believe he was a guy, when I heard Justin Mason talking about it, um, because they were doing it on fan tracks, they were doing it – they are doing the draft like during the playoffs – so some of the drafts when it started over when the offseason hit the draft all the drafts for like 2018 stopped so like he uh, so some of the teams didn't even get a draft so he was like either auto picked or something so he could have been higher but uh right now we have a 260 adp yeah i mean right now he's houston's number three i mean you verlander and garrett cole after that it's james if you think that uh the free agents are walking so McCullers is injured, and then uh, oh gosh, the old guy from the Pirates, Charlie Morton. He's uh, on the way out. We think. I could see him coming back, but did they give? Well, him a, they didn't give him a qualifying offer, did they? Um, I don't think they did. Uh, the only person that accepted was uh, Ryu. So even if they did, he didn't accept. Um, but I don't know. Maybe maybe now with losing McCullers, maybe. Maybe they consider it, but uh, who knows? After James, you're looking at Brad Peacock and uh, Framber Valdez. Ring a bell because it does not for me. He was uh, Valdez, I believe. He was one of those guys that kind of came up. Um, not much said about him, but he came up, and I think he had a pretty good year. I haven't done much research on him <coughs> yet. Yeah, oh, 219 ERA. Yeah, that's pretty good in 37 major league innings. But All right, well. We'll see. For now, it looks like James has the opportunity. So if he keeps it and it stays that way, even if they add another guy, he'd still be penciled in as the number four. Uh, so I'm all about opportunity. So he's, he's another guy, I think, that would, would rise quickly, um, given what he did last year, as long as we, long as we know he's going to have a starting spot. So, and he barely has an ADP right now. Yeah, I'm expecting Eovaldi and – uh, James probably their ADP, especially uh, after you have all these playoffs. Expecting them both to probably get in the top 200, probably around like the 180 range. If that sounds right. It's probably where I expect them to go. Yep. 
And then uh, the third guy on the pitcher list, our last pitcher, is Jordan Hicks. And his ADP, I think, is going to depend on whether or not the Cardinals add some more bullpen arms. Um, I know he's a guy that you like, and I remember the first thing that I said was, what if they add another arm to that bullpen? Do you, you still think he's going to hold on to the closer's role? Does it, does it worry you, or do you think that he is like penciled in as the as the guy that shuts everything down. I mean, honestly, I don't know if anyone has a closer role anymore with what we're doing in today's game. But I I think he let me put it this way, I think he's probably a top fifteen relief pitcher in the game. I mean, he he throws triple digits, but he doesn't get a lot of swing and miss. Um, based off what he had last year. He had a seventy seven percent contact rate. So it's about league average contact rate, but what he doesn't get with swing and misses, he makes up with a ground ball rate that's at 3.25, and his barrel uh, over plate appearances was one of the highest, or one of the lowest, I guess, in the league. It it was the lowest among pitchers with 50 batted ball events at 0.6. So, I mean, this is a guy that's going to get a low bat bit, probably uh, maybe a 23 to 20 strikeout percentage and he's going to have a low home run rate as well. So, I mean, he seems like a, just a great pitcher that maybe isn't going to flash, like flash off the page with his strikeout rate, but he seems like a just great pick at relief. Yeah. You think with the, with the heat that he would, we just equate that with strikeouts, but He's really not a strikeout guy. Yeah, the K the K rate was right at twenty percent, sixty percent ground ball rate. Um, so he he's a lot more of a floor pitcher in my opinion, at least based on what he did last year. Uh, swing and strike rate was just it was about a percent below league average. He was at nine point four percent. League average last year was ten point seven. So uh, you would think with the with the with the heat with the ability to throw that hard that the more that he learns how to pitch and keep hitters off balance that he's going to, he's going to tick up a little bit in the strikeout rate, but um, having the super healthy ground ball rate is uh, encouraging to me. I I did not know. I did not know it was that high. Yeah. That's, and I mean that barrel percentage, I mean, that's 0.6. I don't even, I don't even know if there are any hitters with a barrel percentage that low. Um, that sounds nuts to me. I'd have to I'd have to do a little research. I'm I'm I've always been on like the hitting side of Statcast, and I love looking at sprint speed, but I've not really looked at it on the side of pitchers. Uh, I know if you're talking barrel percentage for hitters, I think average is right around like maybe six or seven percent. So anything point whatever below one sounds phenomenal. So he basically he has the barrel percentage of a. Brian Holiday or Billy Hamilton? <laughs> wow, you could not have said a better name, Billy Hamilton. So you know, and and I always think I, I look at hard contact quite a bit. So he's he's right around twenty eight percent last year. So below thirty is kind of the threshold that you know above that you're getting really bad. Below you're you're talking pretty good. So being at twenty eight percent, having a healthy ground ball rate. So he. He's got a lot more uh, safety than what I than what I thought he did. Yeah, and I will say his command is not that good this year. He had a 13% walk rate, and I mean batters weren't swinging out of the zone at all. They had a 26% uh, chase rate. 
um, and only 41% swing rate. So he's going to be, he's going to have a walk rate above 10% ease, but even with that, I'm still completely in. All right. Well, I am probably tempering expectations. I'm going to see who they add, but it, but it's okay because neither of us are drafting any leagues right now. But if, but if I were drafting some something today, I don't think he'd be somebody I would be totally in on just based on maybe who they might bring in. But uh, but I can see how it would work for sure. And it so you know in 2017 at high A, he had a he had his K rate was over 30. percent So it's not like he hasn't done it before yeah I, so. I don't know how many innings that was though i need to check i don't want it i don't want to be talking about some cool stat and then it only happened for like four innings 27 innings uh, okay kind of small kind of small but i mean i'm fine with it if if he can have a league average um strikeout rate at least with that giving up that type of contact um, I'm probably taking that. And if he says he has to be in the closer position too with those saves, but well, so for reference, a year ago in those 27 innings in 2017, he had 32 strikeouts, only six walks in uh, in 27 innings. So you know, if he grows a little bit, trims the walk rate just a little bit, keeps the ground ball rate, maybe the strikeout rate ticks up. I think you're not talking a top 15 guy; you're talking top 10. So, okay, well, I got to know Jordan Hicks a little bit. And he's young. He's only 22. Yeah, so there's still a lot of room for improvement there. And he's in St. Louis, and we know they, they do magical things. So, you know, I think that matters for sure, team context. If you don't think team context matters, just look at the Buffalo Bills people. Actually, you know what? Look at the Oakland Raiders. Or the baseball. Bills. Look at what the Orioles do to starting pitchers. Oh, my gosh. Trade there- Dylan they should be Colorado, man. Like, get guys with like an 85% ground ball rate. Who cares? Like, be who, be who you are. You're a freaking amazing hitter's part. Get pitchers that just keep the ball on the ground. Like, it, you know, Luis Perdomo, come on down. Nobody cares if you strike anybody out. Just keep the ball on the ground. I don't know. I think I'm smart. I think if I was a baseball GM, I'd probably get destroyed. But it, sitting here in my seat, it sounds really easy. Hey, you might be better than the Orioles. You might be able to get a 90 loss season. I really think that I could not do much worse. So maybe, maybe I have been called arrogant once or twice in my life. Most people are wrong. We'll see. All right, cool. Well, that was three pitchers. Um, I think we should talk about your boy, Luke Voigt, that you brought up. Ooh. Unless I'm skipping. Am I skipping somebody? No, no. Go for Luke Voigt. All right. So assuming that Machado does not steal his thunder. Um, I know that you made a comp for Luke Voigt in your article today. Can you can you tell the people who the comp was? Jesus Aguilar. And the reason I said that is I was going to comp him to Aguilar, and you could comp him. I forget who the other breakout was. Um, but basically I did that comp because he's a guy that's going to have a strikeout rate probably somewhere between 25 to 30%. Um, but he's going to make up for it. He's not going to be a 300 hitter like he was last year, but he's going to have a high bat bip. He's going to have a extreme. He's going to have, well, no, I won't say extreme, but he's going to hit like 30, 40 bombs with a full season of plate appearances. So you can expect, like, it shouldn't be a surprise if Voigt gets like a 260 average next year, 30 home runs. Um, and last season, I mean, I'm sure a lot of people are going to look at Voigt and just completely – you know, just base it on luck. You know, this is just a 28-year-old 
uh, breakout that, you know, just had a bunch of luck. We're not going to see the season from him again, but his peripherals are just outstanding. Um, he had here, he led the league in barrels, overplayed appearances, hard contact rate, ex Woba, and had the health, the 12th highest uh, expected batting average among players with at least 100 batted ball events. And uh, the craziest part about that, too, was that that doesn't even take into uh, account ball pack, ballpark factors. I mean, this guy just crushed it last year um, over those, like, 100 and some uh, plate appearances for the Yankees. And I usually don't like to brag, but if you remember putting something out on Twitter about two, three weeks uh, before he got traded, saying that this is a guy that we should probably pay attention to because he lowered his strikeout rate in the minors, and then two weeks later he gets uh, traded, and then just two weeks after that just started hitting bombs. So I'll say that's my best sleeper pick uh, on the year. Yeah, uh, he is not a name I had ever heard of. So if you were if you had already known who he was, then uh, you knew more than I did, which is probably not saying a lot. Uh, not taking away from you. I'm just beating up on myself over here. Um, yeah, I'm just uh, I'm looking at numbers right now. He's got a healthy walk rate. That's uh, That always encourages me if we're talking about maybe a little bit of swing and miss. Yeah, and I mean, his, his strikeout rate was not obscene last year, was it? Oh, okay. 26%. Uh, but I mean, yeah, the in 2017, he had 25%, and his contact rate was about 5% better. And then his, uh, his strikeout rates in the minors weren't that bad either. Um, last season at AAA, he had an 18%, and then even had a 15% at AA in 2016. So, I mean, this is a guy that to lower his strikeout rate and even be better. Um, honestly, I think he could possibly be a top 25 hitter. This is going to sound crazy, but he could be a top 25 hitter in real life, like a Max Muncy, Hazy Zacular type guy. Um, and he's got an ADP outside of uh, the top 200 at 245. So as long as we stay away from Machado and everyone, which I'm if Brian Cashman's listening, don't sign anyone else. Just leave Boyd at first or DH. And uh, let's just let him get all the playing time because that man just is a monster. His home run to fly ball rate last year, do you know what it was? No idea. I mean, I don't expect him to maintain that type of uh, 40.5%. That's some Christian Yelich numbers right there. But. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. 40% homer to fly ball rate. That is nuts. 47% hard contact last year. And that uh, super healthy line drive rate that we like to see, 28% line drive rate. So he definitely was blistering the ball last year. Yeah, I mean, this guy, I mean, did you see the video of him? He was like bench pressing 150 pounds uh, with one arm. Man, it's just <laughs> a monster. I don't, I mean, if I were the Yanks, I wouldn't be worried about first base. Who gives a rip, man? Just sign pitching. And uh, I think, uh, segue, Gary Sanchez is due for some positive regression based on uh, my preliminary catcher takes. Um, you brought up StatCast. He last year had, let me look at it, click, I already have it up. Of uh, So I, I looked at basically the catchers who had the most opportunity last year. Um, 300 at bats was pretty much my guide. And of all those guys, Sanchez had the worst luck on batted balls last year. So he had a, he had a 197 Babbitt last year. Um, and if you look at 
if you're talking stat cast, Sanchez had the highest discrepancy between batting average and expected batting average among that grouping of catchers last year. Also, obviously, the highest discrepancy between Woba and expected Woba. So, so basically, like his his batting average was 186, but we should have expected something around like 220, 230 at the least. Um, he could have at least given us a season similar to like Robinson Torino's, except with way more power. So, if I'm the Yanks, I think the power is coming back with Sanchez. Um, obviously, you have enough of it with the rest of that lineup. So, I don't think if I were them, I wouldn't give a rip about who played first base. Yeah, I mean, they, I think they built that team for that stadium because if you look at that roster, it's just a bunch of swing and miss, hit to the fences type players. So, I think they literally just built that team just for power, just to play in Yankee Stadium and hit bombs all day. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. I don't. I have no arguments with uh, cheap power at first base. So if I, Boyd would definitely be a guy I would be grabbing and stashing. I don't think I'd draft him as my, as my starting first baseman because I'm too, I don't know. I'm too chicken. I don't think I could punt first base for that long and just bank on a guy like that. But uh, I would. He definitely would be somebody I'd want in the corner infielder on my bench. I know CBS talked about it uh, on their pod yesterday, but I mean, first base is just terrible. I can't even believe how bad it's gotten for like depth. That used to be top twenty player was good, but now it's yeah. Now it gets murky really fast. Um, it's definitely interesting how the positions how the positions go. Like a few years ago, we were talking about how what a cesspool shortstop was, and now shortstop is just loaded. Um, and third base looks pretty deep. Um, but, yeah, first base is, you know, like Abreu with his down year last year, he's still probably going to be a top, I think he's I don't know, six or seven, eight guy, Jose Abreu. Um, and I was I was in on him everywhere in round three. I'm like, this guy is just such a safe floor, blah, blah, blah. And uh, that, one, that one stung a little bit. Rizzo, too. Rizzo with that, like, odd year. Um, you know, I know he picked it up in the second half, but I thought he in round two last year. So first, first base is definitely weird. Yeah, it's. Uh, I think once you like, if you want to call Matt Olson safe, I think once you get past him, I have him like eighth. I think then it just falls off a cliff. So I'm probably gonna punt first base and draft Boyd, and hopefully we don't sign Machado, um, Brian Cashman. I'm gonna be very upset if that happens, but yeah. All right, well, uh, I'm with you. Right now, he's intriguing. I like the cheap power. Obviously, we like the stadium. Um, I think we can we can peace out and move on to something else. So who is the next guy? Is it is it Cordero? Franchi Cordero. Or am I, or am I skipping somebody? Uh, we can go Cordero. Uh, did you see the poll I did the other day? Um, I put it in the article, too. I did see it in the article. I know you compared him to uh, – somebody and i forgot tell me tell me who it was or you can or you can say the say the stats if you want to say the stats i don't care all right so you're, you're the boss i have player a here 65 percent hard or 65 percent contact rate a 32 percent chase rate 25 percent line drive rate 1.5 ground ball over uh fly ball 50 percent hard contact rate and 29.2 percent sprint speed and player b um 67 percent contact rate 37% chase rate, 21% line drive rate, uh, 1.1 ground ball is fly ball, 36% hard contact, and about 30 sprint speed. Now, I, I just put out, I said, who do you want more? 
and it was 66% to 34 over player A, and it was player A was Frenchy Cordero, and player B was Adalberti Mondesi. So I thought that was real interesting. What was what is Mondesi's chase rate? What was it? 37. Whew. Yeah. And Cordero was right around 32, right? Which is right around average. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So neither making a lot of contact, which is what sticks out to me. So you're, you're talking about a lot of risk. But, yeah. but one of them is going to be really cheap, and the other one is not, is, is my takeaway. Is that is that what you're saying? Yes, I believe. One, one guy is really crazy buzzy right now, and the other guy not so much. Um, I think Clay Link in one of the recent drafts took him like, Took Mondesi in the third round, um, and Cordero. I I think Link's also big on Cordero though too. Uh, but in the Justin Mason mocks, Mondesi has seventy three point seven ADP, and Cordero had a twenty or two hundred fifty four point four. So I would way rather have Cordero at that price. I'm, I'm going to be completely off on Mondesi. Yeah, the only caveat is. Uh position um but the man that chase rate that's that's large um i don't in the so in the expert world and, and i'm not judging anybody's take like you can you can have any position almost and defend it with something um oh, no, but clay I, link. i'm pretty sure clay link won like every league so yeah i'm not um yeah i'm not judging it in the slightest but it, in general i do think there's this push to to be first you know like it like you people want to plant their flags and you know he's definitely going to be a guy that some more than one person decides to plant their flag on and the adp is just gonna just gonna keep creeping up so um my my comp at least this year a little bit was christian mccaffrey what people were doing to him before football um and i don't think you're as much of a football guy but uh he's just like he at one point was affordable and then it, man the ap just kept going up and up and up man i am totally out which it the last couple of weeks looks like a bad move but uh it's just just the principle of it it's just like man the adp just keeps going and going so who knows we'll see but uh definitely in a vacuum i'm taking player a which is cordero i agree with you yeah and i mean uh the, both of these guys are guys that because of their speed, raw power, their bad at ball profiles, um, their likelihood uh, to chase out of the zone, and their contact rates. I mean, these guys are guys that are looking at a floor and ceiling that are a mile away. Like, as I said, these guys could be top 10 in fantasy baseball, or they could be playing in the minors. You don't know. Yeah, you're basically like grabbing the stats. You're grabbing, you're grabbing the, the pop and the speed and, and hoping that they do enough to – to not get demoted or, or not not lose their spot. So maybe, I don't know. For some uh, reason, I just thought about B.J. Upton oh yeah, slash, a, slash Melvin Upton. Here's another little interesting fact on Cordero. I have um, I went through some stat cast data and I looked at who uh, falls above 110 miles per hour because if they're hit at like a fly ball, they're usually – it's like a 95% chance of being a home run. So I took the players that led in that. And I believe like Cordero out of percent of bad balls was like fifth or sixth. He was like Stanton, Gallo, like Judge. And then I think it might have been Cordero fourth. So this dude has tremendous raw power. Yeah, Gallo might be a good comp. I mean, that's a guy that you know the power's there. You just you just don't know when it's gonna happen. And it like the second that you get pissed and bench him because he's like oh for twenty, he crushes two bombs and then it 
those guys I can't stand sometimes. So in like if I'm comparing player A to B, yeah, give me player A. But in general, like it, the gallo types with the swing and miss, that stuff is uh, a little sketchy to me. Mainly because in head to head, like if you have a big drought like that, and then you know it's just it's hard to weather some of that stuff. And then as soon as you bench the guy, he crushes two bombs. Exactly what happened to me with Gallo this year. Yeah, I mean it. I don't know. I just Gallo's not my guy. He's a stud athlete. He. I don't think he gets enough credit for all the positions he can play and how and how strong he is. Obviously, how powerful he is. We talk about it all the time in in the fantasy baseball world. But um, yeah, just man, a swing and miss that stuff. It, it scares me. So, all right. Well, uh, anything else about Cordero? No, I mean that's about it. Looking at a guy with 30-30 potential with a bat bid that could be Aaron Judge level, but a strikeout rate that's going to be above 30%. So take it what it's worth. Yeah, yeah, worth a dart for sure to grab some stats late. We'll see what happens with his ADP. Um, maybe maybe he won't be as much of a climber. We'll see. Yeah, he'll probably stay down because that outfield has Framo Reyes, Myers. Um, who else do they have? I wrote about it today. Uh, Marco Renfro. Did I see something where Myers might get moved? Am I making that up? No, I heard I heard something about that too. Them moving him. Um, okay, I'm not up on my Padres yet. I'm gonna get there. Um, I know I told you before we started that I'm almost ready for the time for football to be done. I don't want football to be over because I love it, but it, as soon as it's done, it's just I'll flip the switch and it's all baseball. So um, I'm uh, I'm double dipping right now. So I do. Yeah, I did hear about Myers maybe maybe on the move, but don't. Take that with a grain of salt. I might be making that up. But you think you heard it, so we'll see. Uh, all right. Well, honestly, I don't remember who, who was guy number three on the hitting side. Uh, should we go to another swing and miss player since we're on that trend right now? And talk? Sure. Who you got? Peter O'Brien, a guy that probably oh. no one is looking at. I don't think so. I don't think he had an ADP in the two early mocks. Did he? No, not at all. Um, but he was mostly undrafted. I mean, you were talking earlier in the podcast, I believe, about guys that just have tremendous power that just plays up anywhere. And, I mean, that's basically Peter O'Brien for you. This guy, it was kind of like coming up uh, through the minors back in, like, 2015. It was like Judge and O'Brien for the two guys with just tremendous raw power. Um, I say the stadium because he plays in Marlins Park, but he just hits bombs. Um Last season, I mean, he's got a lot of swing and miss. This is a guy, though, he had um, over his 135 player appearances at AAA, he had nearly 30% line drive rate and same, uh, close to the same line drive rate at the majors. Um, so I don't know if he – now at AA, it was uh, – uh, with the Marlins, it was at 14%. So what it's worth, I don't know if he made any changes yet. I haven't looked too far into it, but – if he can have a line drive rate of like 22, 24% with more fly balls than ground balls, I mean, we could be looking at a guy that's a 250 hitter, maybe can has the potential if he gets a playing time to hit 40 bombs. So this is a guy that I think with your last pick of the draft, when you're filling out a bench spot, just throw a dart at him. If he just does terrible to begin the season, you can drop him. If he starts hitting like Aaron Judge, then just keep him on there and put him start starting him. Yeah, so he he's another old prospect, old quotation marks, because it's he's younger than me. He's twenty eight. Um, crazy hard contact rate, forty six percent last year. 
there you you like these line drive guys 28.9 percent line drive rate last year i feel like you go i feel like you go sort for line drive percentage and then that's how that's how you get your starting point am i right uh actually i have a projection system um yeah i know you're fancy i'm not i am not a numbers guy that and i love i love fantasy sports and i hate numbers yeah i i can't hopefully they'll help me out in the future maybe make some money but i have that projection system and usually i just run it and i just look at the numbers and i look at the top guys and then i go through the numbers and uh using those numbers i look at their peripherals and see if it makes sense um see what i need to worry about because i mean the thing about projections when i run them is it, the projection doesn't tell you how the guy's ceiling the guy's floor if a guy has a the guy's projected to hit 260, but he has a 30% strikeout rate. I mean, you got to be wary of it. So I usually run the projection systems and put that through a player rater and then kind of um, look at ceiling and floors and then decide like rankings that way. So another guy with a high homer to fly ball rate last year, 23.5%. Not crazy high, not 40%, but uh, on yeah, the higher end. That's nearly. Dang, what's the league average in line drive rate? Or uh, I don't think I can get that on this screen. I don't think it would be quite that high. I think we're. 18? I think it would. That? I think it would be in the teens. Yeah, but I mean, he, he he should be someone that has a higher fly ball to home run rate because of uh, just his raw power. I mean, this is a guy. I mean, as I said, I, I did a post about him earlier on super like deep sleepers, and I said probably his floor is maybe someone like a Daniel Palka type, but his uh, ceiling, I mean, his ceiling is Aaron Judge with a little less speech and a little less play discipline. Yeah, and uh, with the ADP that doesn't exist right now, hard to uh, ignore some power like that i still i think it would have to be a deep league though i don't think in your typical 12 teamer he's coming up or do you think he would i have him at like 297 so take it what it's worth but i'll probably i'll probably draft him with my last pick um as long as it's a 12 team as long as there's 300 players to pick from i'll probably pick him with my last pick um and it's also worth noting that his contact rate is actually better than judges too at 72 percent so could have a strikeout rate maybe of 29 percent instead of like 30 32 yeah, I didn't know judges' contact rate was at that level. Yeah, judges is like sixty-eight, I think, sixty-six or something, extremely low. But luckily with him, it oh sixty-five or sixty-six. Yeah, um, luckily he doesn't get a lot of pitches in the zone too, so that kind of outweighs his his strikeout rate. Looks better than his contact rate just because he's not getting as many strikes in the zone. Gotcha. All right. Well, I was trying to find an average for a home run to fly ball rate because I'm uh, curious, but uh, my, my other computer is being weird. Here we go. Excellent mark. According to the fan graphs, glossary would be 20%. So um, average, this article is a little old. They say the average is right around 10%. Uh, yep. I would think that now it's a little bit higher than that. Last year it was at 12.7. Gotcha. And when this article was written, that would have been considered above average. So what up with the high, the, the fly ball revolution. So, so yeah, 23, I think we, we just call that elite. We don't call that uh, crazy out of the ordinary, like the 40% rate that we talked about earlier. Yeah, it's. let me see. I just want to see. 
home run hitters, I think you basically you're looking between fifteen and fifteen and twenty percent. Anything over twenty percent, you're you're definitely you're definitely running. You're you're trying to trying to swing for the fences. So yeah, I believe twenty three percent, not crazy. Definitely something I think that he could push to uh, maintain or at least get close to. Would you say twenty three percent? I mean, that's uh, that's Bryce Harper, Justin Upton, David Dahl level. So you could maintain. Yeah. That. Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just needed to get a little bit more uh, frame of reference there, so that helped. I know that I love the Fangraphs glossary, but I do think that some of those articles have not been updated in quite a while. They're uh, awesome. Don't hate me, Fangraphs. I live half of my life on there. I'm not talking bad about you. I'm just saying. I know some of the some of the numbers are not average anymore. Uh, maybe I can go work there and change it. There you go. So, all right, cool. So... What about any other any other sleepers? You got anybody else? Um, maybe maybe one more favorite, sure. and then we might wrap it up. I got to go to bed because I got to drive tomorrow. I got you. Uh, Who's your favorite that you haven't talked about? We've talked about swing and miss guys, so we're, let's talk about a guy that used to be that isn't anymore, um, and that people probably completely forgot about. And this this guy's value might go down if uh, the Phillies sign. Uh, Bryce Harper, but Nick Williams. This is a guy that in 2017 when he came up, I did not like at all because he had a very high ground ball rate. His contact rate was below 70%. He swung at nearly everything outside of the zone. I mean, a 45% chase rate is just that's just incredible. But oh my gosh. <laughs> last season he learned to be more patient, um, which really helped him. His swing rate was still, I mean, 50%, and his chase rate was still 34%, but that's a lot better um, than what it used to be. Uh, his contact rate was just below league average at 75%. So, I mean, I can swallow that because this guy has tremendous, or I won't say tremendous raw power, but he has a good amount of raw power, um, and he just hits, the, hits a bunch of line drives. I mean, nearly a 24.5% line drive rate. Um, I can swallow that. He's going to be a high BAPIP guy, maybe around 310, 320. Um, and he also lowered his fly ball rate too. Or, I mean, not lowered, sorry. He lowered his ground ball rate uh, about 6%. So um, this is a guy with a lower strikeout rate and everything. We could see maybe a 270 batting average. I mean, he plays in Philadelphia too, so maybe 25, even 30 home runs is not all the realm of possibilities. And the thing that uh people might be surprised to hear about him and i'm not saying he's going to go out and have a 20 steal season at all but i believe yep he has a 28.4 uh 28.4 sprint speed so i mean yeah i i was pulling it up i was going to chime in with i know he's a speed guy you know yeah. i like my speed guys so the mlb average is 24 27 feet per second so yeah he's he's definitely above average when it comes to wheels and he's young he's only 25 yeah i haven't seen him run on the base paths i don't know if he's just terrible on the base paths or something but i mean he had one steal in 2017 and only three last season but this is a guy um could be maybe get you 10 15 steals um if they let him run a little bit more it looks like his uh first year in the minors he stole 15 he had another year where he had eight in 2015 he swiped 10 um after that, six five, two thousand seventeen in the majors, he stole one in eighty three games. So yeah, I don't. Another guy on the Phillies that can run that doesn't steal much is uh, 
Jorge Alfaro, the catcher, and he swiped three bags this year. But he's uh, where's he at? Twenty-eight point three as a catcher, and it you know he just doesn't run a lot. Yeah, like it looks he's, like he's literally like right up there with JT Real Muto. It looks like he's just terrible at getting a jump, Nick Williams, because I'm looking at his minor league totals and his totals in the major leagues. About for every steal he gets, he gets caught stealing. So it's a one-to-one ratio in steals to cop stealing. So maybe that would make sense why he's not right. Yep. That sounds like they told him to stop. So he's got the wheels, but his instincts aren't great. All right. Well, still nice to have the speed. Uh, I think that uh, Devil's Advocate is they really want to spend a lot of money, and I wonder if he's probably not going to have uh, enough playing time to to justify throwing a dart. What do you, what do you think? Yeah, that's kind of – I gotta see what they do first, because um, I mean they're not gonna they're gonna leave Hoskins at left, and they're not gonna put Williams or Harper in center. So Williams would be the odd man out in that situation. So hopefully Machado doesn't go to the Yankees, and they he goes to the Phillies, and then we can say bye bye to Mike Alfranco and keep Nick Williams around. Yeah, I'm I'm pulling up roster resource right now just to look. Uh... Yeah, so they they got that they had that really odd Carlos Santana signing, which really seems to like jack everything up. Because I think they want Hoskins at first. I don't think they want Hoskins in the outfield. Yeah, I don't understand some of those first base signings. I don't know why the Padres signed Hosmer either. That's just completely ruining their. Plan. I feel like I feel like with the Phillies last year, it was just like we don't have anywhere else to spend this, so let's just spend this and get Santana. Um, hopefully this year there's a better plan because they. They do have to figure out their outfield. Um, yeah, I, I think, man, I don't know. Would you push Santana to third and then Franco's on the bench? No. no. Hoskins, Hoskins goes to first and uh, Bryce goes in the outfield. Yeah, it's going to be – if they sign Harper, it's going to be Nick Williams' odd man out, sadly. But I didn't rank him too high, I don't think, so I won't be too disappointed. The big thing is as long as the Yankees leave Luke Voigt at first or put him at DH, I'll be happy at the end of the day. Just leave Luke Voigt alone. All right. I like that. I think I think I need to see if I can give you a catcher sleeper and then we should call it a day. All right. So I'm just I'm gonna I'm gonna say this because it I feel like you will often pick the topics that a lot of people want want to read about. Like your articles tend to blow up on fake teams, which is nice. It's nice. You, you know, I don't do that though. For some reason I'm this glutton. I'm like, yeah, I'll write about tight ends and nobody <laughs> cares. Nobody cares about tight ends, like tight end rankings every week. I love doing it, but uh, nobody cares. You just, you just uh, got the word sleeper in there. Tight end sleeper. Yeah. I don't know. I'm not, I'm not cheesy <laughs> like that. Um, so then I like, for whatever reason on the weekend, I had all this free time and, um, really rainy wet day and i just had time i'm like looking over catchers for half the day and i really enjoyed this like putting it together and like nobody read it so i have i feel like i have all this secret knowledge about catchers that nobody knows about um so if you want more knowledge and you're listening to this podcast you should go to faketeams.com and you're gonna have to scroll down because it's been a couple of days but it's catcher catchers in 2018 a review. I even quoted Tim Riggins and just said, like, can we just embrace the suck for once and just talk about catchers? Because nobody cares about them and we hate them and we don't get any offense and all that. So 
catcher sleeper, one guy's name that just kept coming up over and over and over is Francisco Cervelli for the Pittsburgh Pirates. What do you what do you know about Cervelli? Anything? Um, I mean, I don't like him. Not just not because he's going to play bad. I don't like him just because he's blocking Elias Diaz. Um, and I think that's probably. Uh, <laughs> so if there's anything that this Braves fan knows is that you can have two fantasy viable catchers yeah. on the same team. If uh, if the Braves have shown us anything, they have shown us that. Um, I definitely think Pittsburgh is in a spot where they want to keep both of those guys around next year because I think that if I'm thinking as a GM like you, you can't trust Cervelli to stay healthy. Um, and with Diaz, I don't think you want to let Cervelli go um, – and just trust that the young guy is going to continue to keep it up. So I do think that they're both going to be there next year, which is a little bit of a, a downer. However, um, Francisco Cervelli is a boss. Um, so I, lo I looked up what the average was for catchers last year, and I'm not going to spend time on this because people are turning it off right now. <laughs> but uh, there were only two guys last year that were above league average the league average for catchers last year. Only two catchers were above league average in walk rate, strikeout rate, and ISO in 2018. And one of them was Cervelli. The other, for giggles, do you have a guess? Did you say Contreras? I did say Contreras. Yep, Wilson Contreras. And he, he barely made it with ISO. His ISO was like 141 last year. Um, but... So, yeah, those, those two guys, Contreras and Cervelli, last year were above average in walk percentage, strikeout rate, and uh, ISO. So I just I just thought that was cool. Uh, Cervelli's not a name that you would think would land on that list, and there were a lot of obvious names that people would pick that did not make that list because of lower walk rates um, like Yadi Molina. And uh, Real Muto was like a hair under. He was like seven-something percent walk rate. Um, what else? Uh, Grandall's strikeout rate was a little bit too high. So, I mean, it's just, there were a lot of people that just missed it. So I don't know. I just, I thought it, I thought it was interesting that Cervelli kept jumping out at me. So he's, he's a dude that I think you feel more comfortable with in a two catcher spot, but, uh, you know, you never wish injuries on anybody. If something happened to Diaz and Cervelli stayed healthy, you never know. Yeah. And for people that don't know, um, Cervelli, I believe is a, fly ball revolution guy he changed his swing um in the off season so he literally basically doubled his fly ball rate if i'm correct so his kind of breakout if you call it i guess it was a breakout um if you it was reasonable like it's, it can continue on to uh next season too yeah there was something behind it his uh oh my gosh his launch angle last year early on in the year was very high like yonder alonzo high um it did come down as the year went on but it it does look like he made a concerted effort to alter his launch angle last year and he set a career high in home runs which isn't wasn't great but he also was a little a little banged up and that's kind of the rub with him that he's not always healthy um but it's also kind of the rub with catchers in general so if i if i miss out on the two elite guys or that like dependable veteran tier i might i might wind up with cervelli on a bunch of my teams this year yeah that's i'm doing the same exact thing last pick i'm taking a catcher yeah he's not he's not somebody i'm like thinking is going to have a massive breakout but i do think he's pretty underrated so that's a catcher take here in uh 
November, a long, 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 long way away from actual baseball being played. Catcher, exciting position. Man, nobody read that article. Like, literally, <laughs> like I don't, I don't even think it hey, has like. Hey, I, I read it. That's uh, yeah. You and I don't know. My mom, maybe, maybe, probably not. She doesn't read my stuff. I don't, I don't send it. Um, I don't know. I'd love to see. I think it. I bet it doesn't even have like two hundred views. It's, it was bad, but it was good for me. So I'm gonna just so you know, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go like position by position just for myself. Um, the last year or so, I've tried to get. I've tried to get like baselines in my brain. You know, like what's a what's the league average strikeout rate? League average. You brought up contact rate quite a bit. Um, things like that, where I can just kind of get a real sense of how good or bad a player is compared to his peers. So uh, I think doing the positional reviews is going to help me out quite a bit. So I'll, I'll probably do that with every position where I see how many guys were above average in, in those categories and just see, see what names come up. That was pretty interesting. Yeah. And before we get off too, I want to say to anyone that's still listening at this point um, for hitter, for pitchers and especially hitters, um, a lot of people quote swing uh, swing strike rate, but uh, especially for hitters, contact rate would be a lot better one uh, because swing strike rate, like I forget, um, the guy like Matt Chapman in 2017. Now I believe his strikeout rate was pretty good in last season, but like they have some guys have below average swinging strike rates, but that's just because their swing percentage might be 32%. So um, I usually look at contact rate and swing percentage to kind of get a better baseline of a striker rate just so people know yeah i think there's no substitute for sitting with it and looking at the entire profile you know like how much do they swing and miss how much do they swing period how much do they chase how much are they making contact i mean it, like there's there's just so much data out there and it's free i don't i don't know what i'd do with my life if fan graphs was not free i know what i would do i would pay them money so yeah, i was, was going to say i'd pay the bank to use that site yeah. Yeah. I love the model though. I love that they uh, ask for donations and whatnot. So if you're listening to this and you love baseball and you halfway enjoy statistics and you have free money, you should go give it to Fangraphs and help them out. So free content, rock on. Um, I think it's legal to hawk other websites on, on our podcast. I don't think that's bad. So, uh, all right. I, I, think, <laughs> I think, I think we nailed it and I have to get up early and drive in the morning. I think that we should, uh, call it a day All right. and uh we'll we'll look to get back on and if i don't know i don't know what's going to come next maybe we can uh you and i can chat about that and see see what we think we want to do i don't we have a lot of time it's only november so i don't i don't care you know team by team previews position by position previews i'm down yeah if anyone's listening and wants us to do anything just let us know yeah we can we can throw out a poll on the fake team's twitter see what what people would like and uh i can do a random sampling of my five friends and see what they would like and uh go from there i have more friends than that i'm just joking and they, but they don't like baseball so we'll, we'll have to do the poll on twitter so all right i appreciate you coming on man so probably appreciate you hosting yeah yeah my terrible hosting skills um we'll uh we'll survive somehow we might like flip the script and uh you can host. I'm totally fine with that. I don't have a need for power at all. Don't either. So, uh, dang it. All right, somebody's gonna have to. Somebody have to take control here, Pete. If you're listening, come uh, 
Pete could totally just come moderate. That'd be awesome. He can just be the the like pretty lady in the middle that doesn't know anything about anything and then just ask questions. Uh, not, I'm not being sexist. There, women, there are very, women are very intelligent. Pete, just come be the come be the pretty face that doesn't know anything about baseball. Bring it on. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see if Pete even listens. We're not gonna. I'm not gonna tell him that I brought him up. Don't say anything. We'll see if he makes. It. We'll see if he makes it this far. I doubt it. All right. Thanks, man. I'm gonna. We're gonna. We're gonna end it. We'll see you next time. All right. Peace.